Hello there, this is Martijn van Hout, and I play Carthonassi in Unreal Cinema's Knights of the Old Republic adaptation, and you are listening to the Old Republic Podcast. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. This is where the fun begins. Okay, so this week's mocktail, if you are so inclined, there's two of them. You can mm. have Gatorade Frost with a fancy ice cube or get the most basic thing you can order at Starbucks, and it's different for everyone, you know. Uh, how are you doing, Brian? Uh, I am doing great, and I love these mocktails. They will be perfect um, as we make our way down to the surface of today's next location in KOTOR 2. So we are KOTOR 2 on location, Telos today. And yeah, you get to those that polar region. Uh, what do you need? Do you need a Gatorade Frost or you need a Starbucks when we uh, meet our adversary in the story? Yeah, I mean, at first, she, at first, like, I'm like, is she a frosty helper? But then, like, as it kind of goes on, it's like, oh, nope, she's just our antagonist, you know? And it's a tragic kind of story, you know? And mm-hmm. in some ways, it's she seems similar to Bastila, but I don't think they would actually get along because they're so similar, you know? Right, yeah. At least in my mind. Um, but, yeah, the one Starbucks in Star Wars... Um, because Coca-Cola is canon, you know, because it's canon Galaxy's Edge. So Starbucks is canon on Telos, and it's in uh, Atris's Bat Cave. That's right, yeah. And she has all of her handmaidens to work there uh, part-time to make her, you know, delicious uh, drinks on demand, which I think is good. I think is good. If you're going to have your own little uh, Jedi enclave that you've taken over, uh, that's that's what you want. That's what you need. Yeah. And just a reminder, we are an inquisitive and intelligent podcast, and we are never sarcastic at all <laughs> at any time in, in our ventures on this podcast. So That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But today, um, as you mentioned, we are going to be talking all about Telos. So, uh, you know, we've did our KOTOR 2 on location on the Paragus and the mining facility. And today we are making our next stop onto uh, Telos and the Citadel Station. So, uh, Cassia, uh, what's up with Telos? Okay, so Telos is where Carthonassi and his family were from, and it was bombed by... Malik and Saul in the first game, or actually mm-hmm. before the first game, and then Karth mm-hmm. didn't really want to talk about it, but then he eventually did. Um, but so I think it's cool we get to see somewhere that was mentioned, and mm-hmm. we even get to see Karth and uh, Bastila on this planet. It's kind of like our connection point, and I kind of like it uh, without delving too much into spoilers, like where you're. Stories end where they begin, and they begin where they end. Uh, mm-hmm. It isn't. It doesn't quite end here, but we do circle back. Like we're here at the very beginning, and then almost towards the end, it's uh, where you'll battle uh, Nihilus. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it is kind of interesting, and it's a really good kind of um, way that they told the story. As you mentioned, you know, uh, Karth and his family were from there. It was bombed by uh, Malak and Saul um, and, you know, kind of destroyed the planet. So when we are first getting to Telos, uh, we're kind of picking up right on that aftermath, which is which is pretty cool. So uh, Telos as a planet, you know, it's in the outer rim like all of these planets uh, tend to be. Um, it was notable for its its agriculture. Um, and uh, one of the other kind of key components of this is uh, during during the war, uh, you know, the Jedi were afraid that, uh, you know, Malak and uh, Saul were going to, you know, go and destroy Dantooine. So they start moving a lot of their artifacts and start setting up uh, kind of this Jedi enclave um, in the in the polar regions of uh, Telos, which is which is pretty interesting, and I think that's a a pretty cool uh, kind of story dynamic. Uh, but we don't get to Telos straight away. We end up going to Citadel Station because uh, there's not really anything going on on the surface of Telos because bombed all the life down there is dead. So kind of the staging area of Citadel Station is where uh, our story picks up um, in terms of the uh, Telos and the Telosian Restoration Project. Yeah, and. I think it's cool that uh, KOTOR 2 is kind of about rebuilding from zero and we get to literally see a planet go through the same uh, problem and transformation that the Exile and her crew goes through. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and to uh, continue on with our KOTOR is most definitely 110% canon, uh, Telos is canon because it was mentioned in the Rogue One novel, Catalyst. So there you go, Telos, canon. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to remember that for our KOTOR 2 is 110% canon episode, which will come to your holonet, you know, soon-ish. So yeah, so like I mentioned, we are we're starting things off on Citadel Station. Do you um, do you remember kind of you know first getting to Citadel Station when you're playing through the game or or how we got there, Cassia? Yeah, I guess I forgot it was outside because when mm. you're inside, like there's not too many windows. So I, th- but like in cutscenes with Karth, you see like oh they're in space. So mm-hmm. like Citadel Station is just like citadel station and i forget like sometimes it's like we're not literally on i was gonna say terrace <laughs> on right. telos so mm. um, yeah. yeah yeah that's right we uh we get there after uh you know after leaving paragus that that blows up and uh bad news for the crew is that we get uh, uh kind of imprisoned because they're basically blaming us for destroying this fuel depot um Citadel Station needs this fuel. That's kind of what's what's running this whole thing, and that's where they're staging uh, things for this Telosian restoration project. Um, one of the cool things that you get kind of in the Citadel Station section is that you find out that like the Ithorians are the ones that are kind of leading the way. So it's a lot of like uh, botany and uh, getting like that stuff going, and then of course you have Zerka coming in, sticking their nose um, in all these things, trying to capitalize on this thing. But I think that Citadel Station is is a pretty uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun section of of the game, and it, it's fun to explore. And you you get a little bit of that taste of of politics that you don't get, um, you know, kind of in the in the rest of the game. It's, it felt like the the political stuff was uh, kind of more important in the um, in the first Knights of the Old Republic, um, a little bit less so in Knights of the Old Republic too, as we get you know more into the Exile story. But but you get a lot of that flavor here, and I think that it's fun to just kind of um, explore in that world a little bit. Yeah. I kind of think KOTOR 2's tone is more, it's meant to be more personal and, like, metaphysical in a way, rather than, like, 
the political good evil binary that is the Star War. This mm-hmm. is more uh, Star War, a la the Last Jedi before the Last Jedi was a thing. Right. Um, but you know we don't we don't spend the whole time on the Citadel Station. We do actually make it down to the surface of Telos and meet some people. Actually, the the shuttle that we take down there looks a lot like the shuttle that uh, the Bad Batch had. And the Bad Batch, I can't remember the name of it um, right now, but we we take that down because uh, also bad news is someone has stolen the Ebon Hawk while we were in prison. That's bad. <laughs> uh, don't don't like that. Dun dun dun. Who would do such a dastardly thing? Uh, we are going to go find out on the surface of Telos. But we meet some important players down there, um, and most notably, uh, someone that served with us back in the war, Bowder. Is it Bowder or Bayoder? I always said Bayoder. Bowder, Bayoder. Uh, either way, uh, he is there with his little remote droid, and uh, we find him. He is working on the restoration uh, project. Yeah, I love that he has like a little droid and Mm -hmm. it just will shoot at enemies. I love it. And (laughs) just if he's ever canonized, like I just want him to use his arm as a lightsaber and just kind of like flex and just like trap someone's lightsaber. And then like, I I think that would be a cool move in live action. Yeah, it would be a it would be a cool move in live action. Yeah, because he's got that that arm. It's like held together with like an energy beam, uh, which is which is pretty awesome and pretty useful um, in the game. But it looks very cool. Um, the character design um, is very cool. He's a he's a Zabrak, but he's not you know kind of that that black and red like tattooed um, kind of thing. You can still see the lines like on like on his face and on his body, um, but it's just not tattooed. He's more kind of pink tone i guess uh more or less and his voice is very cool and yeah he's got a little very remote droid that will voice that will just shoot at everyone um you know we talked about a little bit in our uh kotor 2 i love you um that you know bowder would have been a really good um uh kind of kind of companion uh love interest we thought for uh mitra Surik. um it never really goes that way but you can tell that they have this big um you know kind of connection they've been through some bad stuff together um and that includes that uh mass shadow generator that uh someone ordered someone else to build um and yeah yeah and we also in episode 136 with dennis uh i kind of mentioned like Bayoder has a has a silky smooth voice, a la Frank Sinatra, you mm. know. So that's right, yeah. For our uh, for our musical act, yeah, Frank Sinatra voice and um, his voice is cool. I love the the character of Bayoder. I think that um, he's just super interesting and kind of an interesting part of his backstory. Um, he actually, I wrote down this little uh, a quote from him that I I really like. Is he says, "I'll never do his voice justice, so I'm not even going to try." But he says, "I saw Telos before the Sith raised it." it deserved a better fate and that's that's kind of what he's there and we're going to talk a little bit about um you know kind of the purgatory steps here in a little bit but you know he's trying to you know kind of make amends on you know all the bad things that happened and uh working in this restoration project as an engineer and um you know obviously it's going to be pretty vital for the story and a vital companion for Mitra Surik as she starts piecing all of this stuff back together yeah and Coach uh, 2 is is kind of like a puzzle uh it's it's an interesting one. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely, for sure. Um, so so we meet him. Uh, he's going to help us get through um, all of our barricades that are keeping us from finding the Ebon Hawk and getting to the polar regions. Uh, because what do we have in the polar regions? That is the, uh, the Jedi Enclave that was built as a way to um, kind of hide the Jedi artifacts. And who is in charge of said Jedi Enclave? Who has been hiding out there? <laughs> it's none other than our bestie, Atris. Yeah, uh... Atris and Exile, Mitra Surik were were BFFs back in the day, and I think, like, no matter what we feel about Atris, she has one of the best costumes in KOTOR mm. 2, and she she got a lot of uh, medals and awards in her KOTOR fashion episode, so... Yeah, that's right. Go listen. Go listen to that. Yeah, she was a trendsetter for sure. And that uh, that costume and the uh, especially in the uh, in the concept art uh, looks really cool. It's kind of this white and uh, crystal blue. Uh, but who is Atris? Uh, Cassia, she was a Jedi historian. She was a Jedi master. Uh, she was a council member. Um, and unfortunately, she was on the council when Mitra Surik came back to rejoin the order. And she said, Nope, sorry about that. You're out. Yeah, it, it was uh it was a betrayal, you know, and I was looking at it and episode 124 is our terrorist fashion week, you know, kind of like Paris mm. fashion week. Yes. And Oliva Swartor joined us for that episode and it, it was a fun one. So if you want to learn about the best and worst dressed and most creative uh, silhouettes and costumes uh, in KOTOR and KOTOR 2, you can listen to that episode. But, yeah, and Atris's look, she could have really become Darth Trey and really looked like the evil queen from the 19... Was it 37 or 38? Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, I don't know. Um... It was one of those years. It was in the <laughs> 30s. So. It was it was in the 30s. It was 1937, and yeah, she could have pulled she could have pulled off that look. I think. Yeah, fun fact: the title of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is dwarfs with the F, FS, mm. and mm -hmm. that's because J.R.R. Tolkien kind of popularized uh, dwarves with a V in The Hobbit, and that hadn't happened yet. So it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. That is kind of that is kind of cool. That is a good little uh, tidbit, and it's important to learn something every day. So I'm gonna take that with me for sure, for sure. Um, but you know, you know a <laughs> the more you know. Uh, but Atris is not alone in this uh, Jedi enclave that she's protecting. Well, first of all, she's in there with about a, a thousand uh, Sith holocrons, which is bad news. You shouldn't isolate yourself with Sith holocrons. Uh, that's for sure. Um, she's also isolated herself with a bunch of. Um, Ichani handmaidens uh, who will basically do anything that she says so maybe that's also not who you should surround yourself with um, you need some different ideas uh, different opinions but the handmaidens are there um, and Brianna is one of those handmaidens that will uh, join the uh, cast of characters you know along on our adventure if you're playing as a male exile I believe is that right yeah yeah um, and then canonically I think like the disciple and the handmaiden ended up like crowding the hawk you know i'm kind of like where does everyone sleep like is there another <laughs> level of the ebon hawk that i don't know about because it really doesn't make sense but yeah that's right well Kreia gets that one whole room with all the beds to herself because no one wants to go hang out with Kreia, um, and like, then everyone <laughs> else just has to stand around whatever <laughs> yeah that is kind of funny and 
One more thing is Jocasta knew in Attack of the Clones. I kind of thought her and Atris had identical robes, but uh, Atris is inspired by her costume, but it's not one for one the same because Jocasta has a yellow robe with black designs mm. on it. And Atris's designs are different, and it's kind of like uh, white, and you kind of said, like, it can be blue or just kind of like ice, you know, because she's a ice queen, I guess. <laughs> that, uh, that's right. Her her heart is cold as ice, as she uh, doesn't let us back into uh, the Jedi uh, Council, and then we, uh, you know, eventually have to uh, come back and uh, face off against her um, during the story as well. But yeah, those are kind of the big players that we meet on Telos. We meet Beodur, we meet Atris, and we meet the the handmaidens and and Brianna, and they're going to you know play pivotal part um, in the story. Uh, but there's some other kind of fun stuff um, that happens on Telos and in Citadel Station. Um, you know, just like in our episode that we did about Paragus, we're not going to get like too deep into these. We're just going to kind of throw them out there and maybe uh, this will spawn like ideas on ways that we want to tell stories about these things later or, um, you know, anyone listening out there, let us know what you think about these or what some of your favorite kind of side missions were. But there are a couple here that I wrote down that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, and that one is that the Ithorians are running this restoration project. I, I just think that it's neat um, that, you know, you have this like agricultural planet and you're just trying to uh, basically bring that back from from you know being dead after it's been bombed and i just i think that that's that's kind of fun i like ithorians as like an alien uh race in star wars anyway i like kind of their character design i think that they're interesting and they sound cool so um i think that that's that's a pretty fun one um and then i also think uh that it is uh really interesting is that you know getting this jedi enclave how are they establishing that um atris is is kind of overseeing it and doing it and isolates herself there. Um, I think maybe we need an Atris miniseries to talk about that, to talk about Atris. Um, when did the Starbucks go in? Uh, was she like flying it in from Citadel Station, decided it would be cheaper <laughs> to build her own? I don't know, but those were a couple of the story beats that I thought were really interesting and might be uh, kind of fun to explore. But were, was there anything on Telos that, that you found particularly interesting, Cassia? Um, one thing I found interesting is how KOTOR 2 will kind of force you to use certain characters at certain points, like Beodur getting mm -hmm. through the shield. Um, Beodur is an interesting class. He's kind of one of the only ones of his class. And because uh, in the first game, you could pretty much just be like, Juhani, Bastila, Jolie, that's all I want. We're just going to Jedi this business up, you know? <laughs> just, just heal and heal and heal. Yeah. So... I think it's nice that, like, in KOTOR 2, like, you have to use certain characters at certain points. Like, sometimes you need to use Candrus, sometimes you need to use Beodur, and sometimes you need to use uh, Vesis, and sometimes Mira, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, yeah, Beodur's story of, of how, you know, he came to be on Telos is really interesting as well. And I think that that kind of that kind of plays into, you know, like I said, that that restoration project with the Ithorians and, and how Zerka's coming in, because I like kind of that that little bit of like political and uh, kind of businessy um, intrigue. And you have, you know, kind of this uh, this former Jedi, you know, trying to atone for the bad stuff that's happened, I think is is pretty interesting and uh, pretty cool little story beat um so that leaves us with the big question then cassia um so you know we've kind of described kotor 2 as like this tale of like um 
of like purgatory and redemption for Mitra Surik. So, um, what kind of what kind of themes or parts of um, you know kind of that story do you do you think that Telos represents? Does it represent um, anything um, in particular to you, or is it just you know kind of part of this uh, larger narrative? Or or what do you think about that? Well, you hear about Malachor, and then the game ends on Malachor, but it's interesting to see Telos from the very like at at not the very beginning of the game, but you see it towards the beginning. Maybe uh, Paragus is kind of like your intro level, kind of mm-hmm. like your tutorial, kind of like this is the kind of game it's going to be, but like maybe like Telos is kind of like your ordinary world part of the heroine's journey, you know? And mm-hmm. you end there, and you get to see how far you've come, whether for good or ill, but... I, right. I don't know. I'm always team light side, and it seems like canonically it's always light side, you know? So you get to see, like, uh, your good deeds, like, mean something, which I, I like. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I see a, I see a lot of um, kind of uh, good parallels here with um, with the, the story and, um, you know, the steps, I guess, of uh, Purgatory as you go up. So uh, to kind of get us started here on this um when we when we first get to telos we're at citadel station um we're put in prison for destroying the fuel depot um because that's what that's what they think they think that we're responsible for destroying the fuel depots so we're we're literally uh, put in prison um in this place that's trying to heal uh this planet that you know got destroyed in the sins of a war that we're uh, a major part in and i think that that is really interesting and it kind of sets uh kind of this tonal part of kind of this next stage of uh purgatory you have kind of these two steps that you go through before you actually get to the gates of purgatory and enter it. Um, and there, the second step is called um, the repentant. Um, so I think that that sets it up really well. And I think that kind of all three of the kind of the major players that we have here um, have some uh, kind of part in that. Um, so you have Beodor, um, who is able to repent after doing something terrible. Um, so that's kind of one of the steps. Either you either you don't repent or you did something really terrible that you were able to repent for. Um, so Beodor, um, he was able to repent after creating, you know, the shadow mass generator. Um, you know, he created that, but he's, he's able to repent and he's enlisted himself in helping the restoration project. Um, we have Atris, uh, who I think, I, I kind of see it as that she was unable to repent for ejecting Mitra from the Jedi Council, um, which really kind of spiraled her down into her own purgatory where she's surrounded by all of this dark side energy and the Sith holocrons and, um, you know, eventually yeah. has her ultimate fall. And then Mitra, of course, um, she is there. She's facing her sins, um, you know, for following Revan and enlisting others to the dark side using the mass shadow generator. Um, and then, you know, she tries to repent by going back to the Jedi council and saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And they don't. So, uh, her repentance, uh, was basically failed. You know, she was unable to do it. So I think that those are kind of three big keys, at least in my mind, um, that really fit the, the theme and the narrative of purgatory stories. Oh, I thought you were going to say Purgastory. Purgastories. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm rubbing off on you. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, that that's an excellent point. I guess, what would you say you think Kray's journey is? Um, here, as we get into kind of kind of this step, I think that really after we meet her, she, she is almost like this... Um, she's almost kind of like bearing witness to the purgatory story, at least in this section. Um, she's just kind of kind of navigating you through um, and, you know, just as 
is there as not not necessarily an ally, but almost a, as kind of a kind of a witness to watching uh, Mitra's story. I don't know that that really she's facing any sort of like purgatory trials um, through this. Um, she's more just uh, observing uh, Mitra's purgatory uh, trials, um, you know, almost in like a uh, almost in like a ferryman sort of capacity, maybe almost. Yeah, that that does kind of make sense, and I don't know, because it's interesting. Kray goes from Jedi to Sith to unaffiliated to Sith again, so mm-hmm. it, she seems like an open-minded person, but she's set in her ways, and like that's interesting to me. Kray is just an interesting person, and I always uh, love watching Doodoo Films videos on YouTube with Kreia Mm -hmm. and it's like I think there was like one comment or something and it's like Kreia's speaking and you can use like any clip from Star Wars because it's free real estate and it'll go with it you know and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's kind of funny yeah for sure for sure um but yeah I think that's that's kind of how how this purgatory story at least in, in my eyes gets set up and that is kind of in a nutshell uh, Telos and Citadel Station. So, uh, you know, we're uh, just kind of going through these locations, just doing some kind of quick hits on them, uh, going over, you know, kind of some major things, who we're meeting there, and then uh, hopefully we're going to revisit some of these locations and do a little bit of a deeper dive on some of the stories or come up with uh, kind of interesting uh, ways we can uh, do things like get an Atrus miniseries uh, where yeah. she builds her own Starbucks because that's definitely <laughs> something that we want to see. But let us know um, in the comments or on Twitter, any of that stuff, uh, what your favorite parts of Telos were or if there were any good side side missions or other like side characters that we interact with that you'd like to hear more about or that you thought were important uh, because we definitely want to know that. But, you know, Cassie, I think that I think our travel log for Telos, I think that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, next up will be Narshada. All right. Well, we are going to be on our way to Narshada. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us and may the force be with you. Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.